Everybody good? Okay, well, look at our, our, our team. Did such a good job. We don't need to pass out anything. How about that? All right, well, if you are here for the very first time, we do welcome you. So glad you chose to worship with us. If you would, take out this connection card, fill it out. At the end of service, you're going to take it over to our VIP Welcome Center, where Yuri is back there with the number nine Cowboys jersey on. <laughs> is that Romo? <laughs> but anyway, we have a special gift for you. Hold up one of the gifts, Yuri. Hold up one of the gifts. Yeah, we have a special gift we prepared just for you. Believe me, you want it. It's like a big old chocolate bar like this big with almonds in it, Hershey. Yes, Lord, it's the will of God. So you want to take this back there and, and, and turn it in and you'll be able to get your chocolate bar. Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's honor the word of God. Let's make a faith declaration this morning. We're about to receive the word of God. So would you say this with me? Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. And I'm becoming everything them haters said I could never be. So watch me. After today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap some people high five and say, you better be glad you're here today. Amen, amen, amen. All right, well, open up your note sheets and let's get started. We've been talking about the manifested glory of God. i got my bracelet on today that says manifested glory, glorifying God in our lives. And uh, plenty, plenty in 2020. How I many of you still in faith for God to bring the plenty into your life? He said it at the beginning of the year and he has, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Hallelujah. He has, won't he will? He has done it all year long. We've had plenty, plenty in 2020. Well, we've been talking about manifested glory and been in this little semi-series called Increased Faith. For the supernatural, and this is lesson number two, an increased faith for the supernatural. We talked about strategies for the supernatural, but now I want you to really press in and increase your faith to receive the supernatural in your life. Because how many of you know God, He did not call us to live ordinary lives. He called us to live extraordinary lives and to, and to walk in the super with our natural Amen. That he comes along, he fills us with the Holy Spirit, he fills us with his word, which is alive and powerful, and we walk out a supernatural plan in, that God has for our lives. Amen. Alright, so I want to talk to you today about increased believing first. So number one, the kingdom standard is that we are believers. The kingdom standard, number one, the kingdom standard is that we are believers. So Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to what? Please Him. For he who comes to God must... Believe. Must what? Believe. He who comes to God must... Believe. believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now I want you to put a check mark by that or a star or a heart or something, an arrow pointing to it. Because I want you to remember that. Because we're going we're to start there, we're going to end there. That God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, in our children's church, we have our blast bucks that the kids can earn during service. Because at the end of service, they can take those blast bucks. You know, if they can say their, their um, faith confession, if they can say their, um, their scripture for the week, then they can take that money back to the store and spend it after church. And, uh, and we're teaching them that God rewards those that diligently seek Him. If you're seeking the Word and you're memorizing the Word and you're praying and we catch them doing things that are right, if they're really going all out in praise and worship, we reward them. So Because God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. So what does the word believe there mean? Believe means to have faith, to trust, to commit, to put trust in. And you might be saying, Pastor Sally, you teach us this every week. But you know what? You don't get it because I say it one time. You don't get it because I say it two times. We, we, God knows how we are and we have to hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Not by what you heard, but what you hear on a continual basis. And the most important thing you need to know is that God responds to faith. It doesn't even matter how pitiful your situation is. God doesn't respond to 
pitiful. He doesn't even respond to tears. What he responds to is faith. Amen. So to believe means to have faith, to trust, commit, to put trust in. Amen. So we have to believe. That's the kingdom standard is believing. Number two, receiving the blessings of God requires faith. So if you're going to if you're going to receive anything from God, uh, you're going to receive it by faith. That's Galatians 3.13. Write that out next to your, um, your uh, point right there, number two. Galatians 3.13 says that the promises of God are received by faith. Every prophecy, every promise, every principle in the Word of God, it's received by the faith process. It's not automatic, but it's received by faith. So it requires faith if you're going to receive the blessings of God. Look at Ephesians 2.8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. So God has all this grace. There's, in fact, the Bible calls them the manifold graces of God. Anybody know what a manifold is on a car? It puts, puts what you need, where you need it, when you need it. Is that right? Kind of? Close enough. <laughs> anyway, well, that's what, that's what the manifold grace of God is. There's a grace for everything we could possibly need in our lives. But, but it, it's in the unseen realm where God is, but, but faith is like a pipe that pierces into the unseen realm. And it allows the favor and the blessings of God to come through it into our lives. But with no faith, you've got no way to access it. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. What is the grace? It's a benefit, a favor, a gift, liberality, unmerited graciousness. So you say, okay, well, what is faith? So I see that, that grace is an unmerited graciousness from God. I didn't deserve it. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. But I can get in faith for it. By grace you've been saved through faith. So what is faith? We go to Hebrews 11.1 1, to see what faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So my faith stands in the place of it before it actually comes into my life. So Amplified Version says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Who brought their Bible to church this morning? Anybody? Bring me your Bible. Please. Thank you, Tom. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Did y'all get that? Did y'all get it? Y'all good? Faith is the assurance, the confirmation. It's the title deed. Say it's the title deed. Of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. To, to the senses, okay? So I told y'all last week that I have a, a cousin named Doris who passed away. I never met her in my whole life, but she had no children and she died with no heirs and she owns property and a house and some stuff. And uh, they have located all of the heirs, all of the, the, the heirs in her life. Anybody that could, is related to her by blood, they've contacted all of us and have given us a document that says if we'll just get this notarized and send it in, we're entitled to a portion of her estate. Somebody say, Amen, Pastor Sally. Don't hate. Don't hate. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> Amen. So, so this document is the title deed to an inheritance that I didn't do anything to, to earn. But it's because of who I am. Who I'm related to that I'm entitled to it. This document says it's mine. Amen. It says that it's mine. Okay, so I just have to go through the process of getting it notarized and sending it in and, and, uh, and, and, and cl placing my claim on what belongs to me, right? Amen. Okay, what about this document? Yes, this document. The Bible entitles me to things that are set aside for me in the spirit realm. My faith, believing, makes the kingdom transaction. Psalm 103, 2 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his bennies. Let's don't forget them bennies, y'all. Number three, who forgives all your iniquities? There's not one thing that he won't forgive. Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems? 
Come on, this Bible tells us he redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. One translation says you're always young in his presence. I know we get to be young when we go to heaven. Hallelujah. But we have some benefits and some things we're entitled to in here. That if I'll just go through the process of faith, I can bring them into my life. It's just like this document right here. Same thing. Only this is a, an earthly legal document. This is an eternal legal document that tells me what I'm entitled to in this earth. As long as I'm alive and it's, and it's because of who I am. Who I'm related to. I'm related to Jesus Christ. I'm one with Him. I have put on Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. I am one with Him. So what belongs to Him belongs to me. Glory to God. So we have an inheritance that we can go after using the faith process. Amen. So number three, faith is the currency of heaven. It's how we transact in the spirit realm. It's through our faith. So Abraham is the father of faith, right? You go, you go back to the beginning of the Bible, you know, and we have Adam and Eve, we have the Tower of Babel, we have uh, Noah and the Flood, and then the next thing up pops out of, out of chapter 12 is here's this man named Abram, or Abram, and his wife Sarai. And God makes this big old promise to them. Look at what he says. He tells them at the age of 75 that he'll be the father of a great nation with his old self. And Sarah, his wife, who's way past the age, that they're going to have children and they'll have so many children that they'll be, you won't be able to count them. Look at what he promises. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. Amen. So God makes this promise and we're like, oh goody God right now. <laughs> sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes it has to be in God's perfect timing. But we still have to be in faith for it. Amen. So now 10 years later. Somebody say 10 years later. Ten years later. Nothing has happened. You can kind of say, God, you're kind of wrong for that. You got this man to leave his family. You got him to leave his hometown. You got him to leave everything to come out and let you show him something. And he doesn't have anything still after 10 years? That don't seem right, does it? But sometimes the faith process, you know, it's, and, and the promise is, is not for today. You got to learn how to process time. God expects you to stand and believe for it. Genesis 15, 1 through 3, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord, this is, this is three chapters later in Genesis. Ten years later. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? You see that it says that there? I have it. Um, see where it says seeing I go childless? Would you underline seeing on your note sheet there. See, Abram has started looking in the natural, you know, which we're looking for to manifest in the natural. But God is, has got to get his faith up. He says, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So in other words, this one who's my heir right now, if I thought you just get, I'm 87, I'm 85 years old. I'm getting a little worried about this guy. Look, this, this is who's going to inherit all my, my name and my wealth and everything if you don't do something. Then Abram said, look, You've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And so look what God says. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, Abraham, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now, isn't that something? A man who's 85 years old and a wife that's past the age, she, she's not having her cycle anymore. And, and you want them to believe to have a child. But the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now look at verse 6. 
And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Sounds like there was a transaction made. When you start using words like accounted, sounds like there's a transaction. Faith was, there was a transaction of faith. He, he believed God. He believed that God would give him a child even though he was past the age. And he accounted it to him. God accounted it to him for righteousness. There was a transaction that was made by faith. So look at this. This scripture is so important that the New Testament authors have repeated it four times. Look at Galatians 3, 6. Abraham did what? Believe God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Romans 4, 3. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Wow. I believe we become the friend of God. Of course, we're one with God and we're... we're flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, but to be called the friend of God because you believe him. Romans 4, 19-22. Look at this. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Verse 22. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Wow. So we are, when he told Abraham to go out and look at those stars on a, a, a dark night, and look at those stars, he said, look, at, just put a face on every star. Do you know our face is one of those faces on those stars? You and me, we are the, the descendants of Abraham because salvation is of faith. He's the father of faith. And that's why Israel is so important to us. We've been grafted into the vine with them. Amen. So, you know, if you're going to be the friend of God and you're going to believe what God says, sometimes it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Because it's, it's tough to step out and say what God says because God wants you to take the limits off and believe Him for things that are way above where you've ever believed before. He wants you to go beyond. Take the limits off God. God, I believe when we don't believe that, 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 uh, that it does not make God happy. We know the only way to please Him is to be in faith. So, so I believe that when we ask big, it means we know He can do it, right? Amen. So you've you got to make yourself of no reputation. Because sometimes we get embarrassed, too embarrassed to step out there big and say, this is what God said, this is what I'm going to do. Because what if God didn't do it? I'm going to put myself out there like that. But see, that's where God moves. That's where, his, that's where His power and the supernatural power of God is released is when we step out and say what God says and choose to say, you know what? I'm getting my family together. Yeah. You can do what you want to do, but me and my family, we don't serve the Lord. Yeah. Making quality faith decisions to seek the Lord because He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. So number four. I must set the proper criteria for my believing. So you'll have to be like Jesus and make yourself of no reputation. It is not about my reputation, but it's about God's reputation. So I must set the proper criteria for my believing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Tamar was all over this this morning. Praise the Lord. It says, for we walk by and not by sight. See, Abraham started to trip for a minute. He says, look, what you going to do, God, seeing I go childless? He was in the flesh. Instead of saying, I have a child according to the word of God. Thank you, Father, for that child you promised according to the word of God. You've got to keep your confession straight. Thank you, Father, that I'm the father of a multitude. So you can't go by what you see. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith in God. So think about Thomas. Thomas walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Three and a half years, he saw the miracles up close and personal. He was there. He was one of the twelve. He was there when they, when they fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He saw the miraculous. John 20, 24 was, um, talks about how Thomas wasn't there. Jesus came to see the disciples after his resurrection. Like he just passed right through the wall and came into the midst of them and says, Hey, y'all, be at peace. Don't be afraid. Because that would kind of scare you a little bit. We saw you die, Jesus. We know that the tomb was empty. But when Jesus came walking in the room, whoa, hold up. 
you know it'd be kind of scary if that was your homeboy you've been hanging with for, for, for three and a half years, right? You saw him get buried. You saw, you, there would still be a place in you that would say, Oh, you kind of scared me right now, Jesus. But Jesus said, be at peace. You're all right. You're all right. And, and uh, he said, look, here, handle me. Handle me, y'all. Look and see. It's me. It's really me. So Thomas wasn't there when he came and saw him. So they tell him, they tell him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He came and he was here. But look what Thomas said. John 20, 24 through 25. It says, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came. 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Do y'all see that Thomas set the criteria for his faith to be, I got to see it before I'm going to believe it. He set a wrong criteria for faith. Just a few chapters earlier, y'all listen to me. Thomas is saying, I don't believe in this resurrection. Right? I don't, I'm not believing this right now. Unless I see it, I will not believe it. But just a few chapter, chapters before, about nine chapters before, Thomas, in chapter 11, verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die, die with Jesus. So he was ready. He was in faith and ready to die with Jesus back in chapter 11. So what happened from chapter 11 to chapter 20? What was the difference? The difference was the scourging, the beating, the cross, the nails, the rigor mortis. They took his body down and his body was in rigor mortis. About a time that he'd been hanging there dead already. His body was cold. He was dead. All hell had broken loose. You know, he starts to trip. You know, when, when bad things start to happen, when you're in faith, you're like, wonder, where did I miss it? You know, how did I how did I follow this guy? Look how could this have happened? And we start to wonder. But here's the thing about Thomas. Thomas was saying, I can't believe this unless I see it. I don't believe. He was saying what he was saying is I don't believe unless I see it. But there's one thing about Thomas is that he was there. Come on, somebody. He was there. Even though he's saying, I don't believe, he still was there. There's something to be said about being there even whenever you're tripping for a minute. Because you know, sometimes our faith can go up and down. You know, God, uh, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, I've prayed for you. The devil has, has sought you. He asked for you by name so that he could sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Peter. So when, you, when you're recovered, I want you to minister to your brethren. So sometimes your faith can be up, your faith can be down. Sometimes we go through valleys, sometimes we go through where things happen that we don't understand. How could this be happening to me? How could this, I don't understand. Did I miss it somewhere? Should I be believing God? But Thomas was there. He was still showing up. So there's something to be said for showing up. Even when your faith is not all the way there. Even when you're having a rough time and, and you just think, you know, all hell is coming against me. Where is God? He saved others. Why can't he save himself? This doesn't make sense, Jesus. Sometimes things like that happen in our life, but we don't understand, Jesus. This don't make no sense. I don't get this. I don't understand this. And you get to the place where you say, I, I don't believe anymore. But man, I'll tell you, Jesus is so awesome. On John 20, verse 26, it says, and after eight days, somebody say eight days. Amen. Eight means new beginnings. Amen. After eight days, you can have a new beginning. In this situation, it was eight days. His disciples were again inside. And Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut, same thing. Hey, boys, here I am. <laughs> and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Because you know they must have been upset. Then he said to Thomas. He went right to Thomas. And spoke specific. He knew what Thomas had said. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him. Thomas. Because you have seen me you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Tony, bring me your phone. You know, when Jesus showed him his scars, and he saw that he made it past all the trouble, when he saw that, I won't believe it unless I, when he saw that he made, it was when he saw his scars that he believed, my Lord and my God. And see, many people need to see our scars. That's why you need to hold on and keep showing up. No matter what happens, don't you turn your back on God. He's got a plan that you may not know about. A plan that you can't see. But I'll tell you, when, we're, when we are, um, it went away. I don't know what to do, Tony. Can you come operate this machine for me? You know, when you let, when you let somebody see your scars, and when we let others see our scars, like on Tuesday nights, for Celebrate Recovery. You know, that's Tony sharing his scars. And you know, I've got him on this little program where he sends me a text message every morning and every night. I want to know what you read in the Bible. I want to know what you got out of it. I'm his accountability partner. I got my hands on him to raise him up as a preacher. And so here, here's what he wrote to me uh, this morning. Was it this morning or yesterday morning? Last night. Last night. He said, today I was reading Philippians 2, 1 through 11. My whole life I've been selfish and prideful. What does it take to be able to say that and tell people I was selfish and I was prideful? Always putting myself first and thinking I'm better than everyone. It's okay that I read this, right? Look, always putting myself first and thinking I'm better than everyone. I know that the kingdom of heaven is the exact opposite. If I want to succeed in this walk of mine, I have to treat everyone else like they're Jesus. I have to put other people's interests before my own. This is going to be hard. I'm going against the grain with how I've always been. I know that with Jesus I can be completely purged of all the sickness and wickedness from inside. I'm in pursuit of holiness and I've only just begun. Now he just wrote that. That's not something that he copied. Every text he sends me is like that. I'm like, dear God, I cannot wait to get this man up preaching. Come on, Hallelujah. But see, it's when we... We let others see. Yes, here's my side. They pierced me. Here's my hands. They pierced me. Here's my, look at my feet. They pierced me. When we let people see, yes, I was an addict. Yes, I was a hoe. Yes, I was whatever I was. Amen? You know, just you know, tell people what you were and how you were and tell the truth. Because otherwise people think we think we're so high and mighty. We never, our poop don't stink or whatever. You know, we can't be like that. We've got to let people know I've been there. I know what it feels like. And I know I can show you where the landmines are and show you how to get out. Amen. That's what people need. That's what this generation needs. They need authenticity. You need to pull back and show them where your heart's been broken. Show where somebody messed with you when you were a child. Somebody molested you. Show them because the next person is, is, is holding on to shame and won't let it go because they think there's nobody else like me. But when you open up your mouth and you tell somebody, this is what I went through, you get free. And it gives another person the opportunity to say, me too. So yeah, you got to show your scars. you got to show your scars. So, what Jesus said, Thomas, you've seen me and you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's all of us. I haven't seen the nails prints in his hand. I've I've heard about him, and I've heard about people who went to heaven who saw him. You say they say he still has holes in his hands. The Bible says he has this imprinted on the palms of his hands. Yeah. Haven't seen it, but I know that it's true. I'm blessed because I believe it without sin. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Same thing about you know the things that I'm in faith for. You know I believe it without seeing it. I know it's mine because. It's mine because it's in the book. And my faith stands in the place of it till it comes till it comes to pass. So number five, the supernatural is subject to my believing. In other words, when I get in faith 
And I go through the steps of faith. I hear the word over and over until faith comes in my spirit. And then I put pressure on my mouth because faith is released by the words of my mouth. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Nothing apart from God can attach itself to my body. No spirit of infirmity, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no infirmity. Nothing can attach itself to my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So those are the things that I, that I say until I see. But I don't have to see to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. Alright, so what does subject mean? If the supernatural is subject to my believing, it's dependent on or conditional upon. Mark 9.23 says, if you can believe. What does it say, y'all? Help me preach. If you can believe. All things are what? All things are possible to him who believes. That's to accept, accept something as a fact with no sense realm evidence. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It makes no sense to your brain, but by faith I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. What do you mean pray in tongues? Friday night or Friday afternoon, um, I had a pancreatic attack in my body. And I was in so much pain. I don't know if anybody's ever had a pancreatic attack, but it causes you to have severe pain like right here in the middle of your stomach. You know how when you, if you've ever been kicked in the stomach and had the breath knocked out of you or punched in the stomach, that's what it feels like, but the pain does not go away. It's like a boring pain, and it takes your breath away, and I felt like I couldn't breathe, so Murray called an ambulance. And... Uh, so I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to be in it. I don't want to do this. I know it's going to clear up. I know it's going to go away. I'm not, I don't want to go to the hospital. But he insisted I go because I said I couldn't breathe. They said, well, you couldn't breathe. I said, well, I feel like I can't breathe just because the pain is so obviously I'm breathing because I'm screaming. But uh, they get me in the... Wait, whoa, whoa. I need to shot the sign of hands. If she's laying on the ground, says she can't breathe, how many people would have called 911? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Throw me over your shoulder. Yeah, well, so they get me in the ambulance, and, you know, I don't want to talk bad about people, but they were so uncaring. Absolutely uncaring. And I'm in so much pain, I was screaming, literally screaming. Every breath that came out was screaming because it was so painful. And so um, I'm there on my knees, and then just without me even thinking about it, tongues start coming out. Instead of screaming, I start praying in tongues. Loud. I, I know people on the street heard me over the siren, probably. Because I was praying in tongues loud, loud. And uh, saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And I didn't even realize what I was saying. I mean, you're just in so much pain, you don't know. But they uh, get me out of the ambulance and put me in a wheelchair, which I'm in the wheelchair on my knees like this, because you can't sit back when your stomach is hurting, like for some reason it feels better to like lean over. They put me in the wheelchair and they're wheeling me in while I'm holding on on my knees and they get me in the doors, ask me my name, and the guy goes in my wallet, gets my, my driver's license out and gives it to him and uh, man, I'll tell you, it stopped. Like a switch, just stopped. Because my desire was I did not want to be in the hospital. Now I'm all for being in the hospital if you need to be there. But this is, this is like the second pancreas attack that I've had, so I know what it is, and I know that it will subside. So I told the guy, I said, look, I feel better. Where's my husband? He's out front. He can't come in. I said, I know I'm leaving now. I said, do I have to stay? He said, you are not under arrest now. I said, okay. He clipped the thing off my arm. I'm like, see ya. And went and found Murray, and we walked out. And we walked out as Pastor Robert was was. Uh, he walked in, and we were driving out of the out of the parking lot. He said, "You okay, Pastor? You all right?" And he says, "Where are you?" I said, "We're driving out." What? <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I prayed in tongues all the way here, and when I got here, it stopped hurting." Amen. Praise God. Amen. You know the stuff you do by faith. You know. I didn't know how to pray for this situation, but when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of the Father God. Amen. That's why it's called your most holy faith. Your most holy faith, because it makes no sense to your brain. Your brain is on the back burner. My brain was not engaged. My brain was saying, I hurt. But the Holy Ghost was able to pray through my spirit. Amen. All right, number two, and we'll be, we'll be done here right quick. 
rewards of the diligent seeker. So I told you to keep your finger there to remember that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's talk about seeking him for just a minute. Hebrews 11.6 says he is a rewarder, say rewarder, of those who diligently seek him. So what does seek mean? To search out, investigate, to crave. Would you put a circle around that word? Crave. To crave him. To demand Worship, inquire, seek after carefully. Consecrated life. To seek after God means to have a consecrated life. And that's a big old word, but let's talk about it, shall we? Number one, living a fully consecrated life brings rewards to us. So that's your first blank there. Living a fully consecrated life brings rewards to us. When we live a fully consecrated life, it brings rewards to us. I'm going to say it one more time. When we live a fully consecrated life, it brings rewards into our lives. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So your body has to be consecrated to God. This is no longer my body. When I was a sinner, it was my body. I did what I wanted to. But now that I'm saved, Jesus bought it all. He bought me spirit, soul, and body. I belong to him. Amen. So I give him my body. I keep my body holy. I keep myself. I am holy because he's holy, but I live holy. Come on, the church needs to talk about that a little bit now, is that we live holy. we got to learn how to live holy. Amen? Consecration is the door for us to enter through to enjoy all the riches of God's salvation. It is the intentional setting apart of myself for the Lord. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you are a chosen generation. We ought to live like we're chosen for this generation, y'all. A royal priesthood. We ought to live like we're royal. A holy nation. His own special people. That means consecrated to him. That we are his 100% or we are not his at all. Can't be Lord, he can't be Lord at all if he's not Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You've got to give it all. You've got to give it all to him. Look, you can't make a box of what you think God is. You have to get in his box. God's already got a box. And this is, this is his box. This is his word. You better just go on and get in his box. That's what being consecrated is. I'm not doing things my way. I'm doing things God's way. No matter what the world says. No matter what um, you know, social media says. No matter what um, political correctness says. This is the box. And any subject you want to know about, you look it up in the word. Don't make up your own deal because you've made yourself an idol. Don't make up your own mind about how you think it is. God already shows you what it is in His Word. And we just get in it. Amen? Amen. Consecrated. Consecrated. I've set myself apart. So His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness. We've been called out of darkness, y'all. There's no darkness left in us. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light who once were not a people. Woo! But now are are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Consecrated. A, consecrated in renewing my mind in the Word. We've got to be consecrated in renewing our minds in the Word. Since my mind belongs to God, I've got to be a, a good um, steward over my mind. I am the CEO of myself. Chief, chief, what is it, CEO? Chief executive officer over me. I have to manage myself and manage my thoughts and manage that the word is, is being, my mind is being renewed in the word of God. If you don't renew your, your mind in the word of God, you are dying on the inside. You are dying spiritually. You've got to, you'll, you'll be just like the world. You'll conform yourself to the world. Because it's easy to just slip in with the rest of them. 
It takes some effort to go against the grain or go against the, the uh, flow of water. What's that called? Go against the current. To swim upstream while everybody else is floating downstream. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to God. Amen. So I have to renew my mind in the word of God so I know I'm on track. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. Another, another translation says this is your reasonable service. I mean, the least we can do is give him our bodies back. Amen? Holy and acceptable. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have to keep our minds renewed in the word of God if we're going to have a chance of, of living this kind. My mind is consecrated to him, so that means I have to spend time in the word. Amen? That's what being consecrated, I spend time with him in the word. B is consecrated in prayer. See, he's a rewarder of them that... Come on, y'all, help me preach. I got a few people who got it. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. So I got to seek him in the word. I got to be renewing my mind in the word. Be as consecrated in prayer. Consecrate. I got to talk to God. If you stop talking to God, there's probably something not right in your life. You know, when, when Adam had messed up, he hid from God. Adam, where are you? When I heard you in the garden, I hid myself because I was I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, what you been doing? So when we stop praying, or maybe you've never started, get on the prayer call so you can learn how to pray. Amen. Consecrated in prayer. Look at what David said. I love this. Psalm 27, 4 through 5. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will, come on, diligently seek her. He said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place. Somebody say the secret place. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now let's talk about the secret place for a moment. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, Pray to your Father who's in the secret place. In other words, don't do it in front of a bunch of people just to look like you're so holy. That's just theater and God's not impressed. But he says, when you go into your room where no man sees, in this place that David talked about called the secret place, go into your room and shut the door where no man sees and pray to your Father who's in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I get excited about the fact that when I go in my room and shut the door to pray, God sees me there. How exciting is that? When you feel like your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling, oh, tell the devil to shut up. You're a punk. Not today, playboy. Because the Bible says when I, when I pray in the secret place, he sees me there. He sees me. If he sees me, he hears me. The Bible says his ears are not dull that he cannot hear, neither is his arm short that he cannot reach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he sees me when I pray. When I'm, when I, it's a reward. And he will, he will, so your father who sees in secret, what does he do? Rewards you openly. So he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him in prayer. When you seek him in prayer, he says, your father who sees in secret, he sees what you're saying in secret. He rewards you openly. So everybody sees. You've well, you got to have the open reward of your secret place prayers. Amen. Woo! Consecrated in my finances. So A was what? Consecrated, renewing my mind in the Word. B, consecrated in prayer. Oh, we didn't read Psalm 91.1. And this is so awesome right here because, look, he's saying, He who consecrates himself to the secret place. Or he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. Sounds like there's a reward for staying in the secret place, doesn't it? There's a reward for staying, dwelling in God. Amen. 
So consecrated in my finances, time in prayer, time in the word, tithes and offerings. These are all invitations for God to bless your life. You're consecrated. You're seeking Him. You're seeking Him in every area. There's not one area that I want God. God, get out my pocket. I want you everywhere else, but don't ask me to give money to the church. No, just don't go there, God. See, we're consecrated in every area. I want God in my finances. And when you tithe and you give offerings, it's an invitation for God to bless the rest of your money. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. One translation says, With your wealth and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. When I consecrate to Him with my finances, He gets involved and, and rewards me with an overflowing life. I don't know how He does it, but I know He does it. <laughs> Amen. So you know what? When you give tithes and offerings, they give me some money. Just give me, I don't know, $100. When, when, when you give your money, it's not your money that God is looking at. Just give me all that. Just give me all that. It's not, it's not your money that God is looking at. This, is, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. But to God, it's just paper. That's just paper. What does that have to say about the kingdom? In God we trust is all it says. God does not look at your money. He looks at your faith. When you give your tithes and your offerings, God is looking at your faith. It's not about looking at your money. It's about the fact that God, this money doesn't have me. You have my heart. You are the one I'm diligently seeking. And I believe that if I'll be a tither, if I'll be a giver in manifestation, that you will reward me. Why? Because I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you. When He's a rewarder than the diligently seek Him. I'm seeking Him in my finances. Yeah, there's some things I want to do. There's some things I want to have for my children. Some things I want to have for my grandchildren. I want to increase more and more me and my family. I want to raise up some entrepreneurs in this place. Hallelujah. I want God to bless the work of my hands. Nobody wants to work all week and come home and still be poor. No, but I want God to get involved in my money. Amen. When I consecrate that tenth part and I give it to God, then He causes a blessing to come on the rest. What I have left. See, when you give God your 10%, you still have 100% of your money. Because the tithe, He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. In fact, He said, you've gone away from my ordinances. And the he says, he answers for the people, he says, and you say, well, in what way have we gone away from your oral ordinances? He says, in tithes and in offerings. In tithes and in offerings. He said, you've robbed me, even this whole nation. That's kind of bold for God to call you a God robber. You've robbed me. But what you've robbed him of, you could, it's not about the money. Money is nothing to God. It's just paper. But what you rob him of is the opportunity to bless you. God wants to bless you. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. He wants to bless you. And you untie his hand whenever you seek him in your finances. It's an invitation. God, get involved in my money. And then God does the stuff that will just blow you away. Like the chicken. Brother man wanted a chicken, a, a, a rotisserie chicken at the grocery store. Couldn't afford it. Can you imagine your mouth is already watering wanting that rotisserie chicken and you got to put it back. And the next day at work, a guy gives him a rotisserie chicken. Amen. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. He said, listen to me, listen to me. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. See, there you are seeking him again. I'm delighting myself in the Lord. Amen. And so he'll give me the desires of my heart. Oh, I know I'm right today. I know I'm right. Amen. And so it's not your money you're looking, he's looking at. It's your faith. He's looking at your faith. All right? So now 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through, 1, 7 through 9. It says, let each one give as he's made up his own mind. And purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Look, God wants you to come to him glad about it. 
It says, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. And look what happens. Look, come on, come on, come on. I consecrate my money to God by this, by giving with a cheerful heart. Look what it says. And God is able to make, all, he's a rewarder. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in a little bit. In abundance. He's able to make it come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. D. Consecration in serving God. Serving God. You consecrate yourself. You know, God has given me gifts and talents. All of us. We all are, are gifted in certain ways. You're gifted in ways I'm not gifted in. I'm gifted in ways you're not gifted in. But we all have special gifts and talents for the body of Christ to use to um, be a part of the body and to cause the rest of everyone else to be blessed. Amen? Amen. So, consecration in serving God. When we consecrate and we serve God, when we, when we, when we um, um, seek Him to serve, he, he blesses us. He rewards us. Ephesians 6, 6 through 8, it says, Doing the will of God from your heart. Not your head, but from your heart. God wants our heart in all that we do, in the praying, in the giving, in, in the serving, in everything you do. He wants our heart. He wants you to come. He doesn't want you to just come like a robot and go through the motions that you don't even understand what you're doing, but He wants you to come because you love Him. He wants your heart to be involved. David said, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the holy house above all that I've already given, I gave an again offering, David is saying, because I love, I love my, my, I've set my heart, my affection is on the house of God. And we have to do that. We have to decide I'm here for the benefit of others, not just to get mine. That is a selfish, terrible life. Amen. When you're only concerned about yourself, but no, it's about giving what you've got to be a blessing to other people, just like we, in the beginning when we read about Abraham. Abraham, you will be blessed and you will be a blessing. So, Ephesians 6, 6-8, it says, Doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. He will do what? He'll do what? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. When you diligently seek Him in serving, He says, The Lord... The Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. Number two, living a life of seeking God causes us to prosper in life. This is going to bless you right here. When you decide to live a, God, a life where you're seeking God in every area of your, we just showed you different ways that you can seek God, A, B, C, and D, right? Now let's look at the rewards of being a seeker of God in those things. So, living a, a life of seeking God causes us to prosper in life. Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar passage of Scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you... So He's got plans to prosper us, right? Plans to prosper. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me. Sounds like seeking him. And come and pray to me. Sounds like seeking him. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And right here, seek means to search out by any method, specifically in worship or prayer, to strive after. Second Chronicles 14, 7, because we have, what? Sought. sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him, and He has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. prospered. So they sought the Lord. They sought Him, and God gave them rest, and, they, and they, He blessed the work of their hands. They built and they prospered. Amen? That's what we're doing this year. We're going to build and we're going to prosper in Jesus' name. So what does that word sought mean? We have sought the Lord. It means to follow, pursue, search, seek, 
ask, worship, inquire, and require. Look at King Uzziah in Second uh, Chronicles 26, 5. It says, he, Uzziah, sought God in the day. What did he do? He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to what? As long as he sought the Lord, come on, seek him, A, B, C, and D. Seek him in all those ways. God made him to prosper. Second Chronicles 31, 20 through 21. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah. And he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. So what happened? He prospered. I can say, I rest my case. <laughs> Hallelujah. So our prosperity, listen to me. Look at my face. Look at my face. Look at me. 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 Our prosperity does not depend on who is president of the United States of America. Amen. We are not, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. I am of a kingdom. We are of the kingdom of God. Amen. Some people are really upset because of how the election has gone. And we don't know how things are going to go in the coming days. We, I know that Donald Trump is a fighter and he's probably going to fight. So we, we yes. end for a bumpy ride. Amen. So, but that does not depend on my, my prosperity. It does not depend on who is president. My, I have prospered through some seasons I should have never prospered through. During the oil, the oil crunch back in the 80s, Houston went bankrupt because of the oil crash that there was back in the 80s. Bishop Hilliard told us on the call the other day, he said that was the time God said it's time to expand. Amen. Amen. So we just, we just believe God's word. I'm going to prosper because I'm seeking God. I'm going to prosper because I'm praying. I'm going to prosper because I'm seeking Him. I'm going to prosper because I'm, I'm tithing. I'm going to prosper because I'm re renewing my mind in the Word. Amen. Devil's not going to get me to derail my own future, my own self. Because I'm keeping my mind ready to keep my body consecrated unto God. My body is holy to God. Amen. So I will prosper because I'm seeking the Lord. Psalm 67, 5 through 7 is, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. What? You mean so when the people of God start serving God, that we start seeing increase in our life? Hallelujah. So it says, Let the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us in all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you for this word. Ah, we bless your holy name and thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that as we seek you with all our heart, wholeheartedly, Lord, as we serve you with all our heart, as we pray, as we're seeking you, Lord, we're so hungry for you, Father God. We're so hungry for an outpouring. We're so hungry, Lord, for you to change our lives into what you want us to be. So, God, we just yield ourselves to you. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice today. We pull ourselves out of the world and into your kingdom. And, Lord, we just pour ourselves into you and ask you, Lord, to pour yourself into us. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We want more of you. We want to serve you with all our heart. As we serve you, God, we thank you that your blessings rebound back in our life. You are, our, you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and honor and glory that you are a good God. And you're faithful and you're awesome and you're worthy and you're so good to us, Lord. We thank you for it. Thank you for it. You're leading and guiding us into all truth and to all goodness, Lord. The truth makes us free. We give you praise for it now in the name of Jesus. Well, maybe you're here this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. Would you pray for me? Yes, I'm going to pray for you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for, um, for anybody who feels like they, they want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you. You say, I'm not right. I haven't been living right for God, but I want to live right for God. I want to get my life together. I want, I want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to live, a, like you said, a consecrated life to God. I'm going to pray for you that, you that you would be able to do that. Amen? That you would be able to submit yourself to God like I did 26 years ago. Knelt down in my closet, threw my hands in the air and said, I'm through running. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And he's been in charge ever since. 
My life has been blessed and prospered just because God is so good. Amen. I'm going to pray with you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. If you mean it in your heart, everything's about to change. You're about to become a child of God. You're about to be born again. Your name's about to be written in heaven. Just repeat after me this prayer. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. Sometimes on purpose. And sometimes, I'm sure I didn't know. But I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross in my place. And I believe that you raised him up on the third day. And he's alive right now. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name. Well, amen. You just said that prayer and you meant it in your heart. Well, the good news is is that you've just been born again. You've just given your heart and life to Jesus. You're no longer the person that you were before, but your Bible says you're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. 